bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Goldwyn is known as the Barbecue Whisperer. He's the founder of the world's most popular outdoor cooking website, AmazingRibs.com. He's out with his new barbecue and grilling cookbook, appropriately called Meathead. And let me tell you, it's the number one barbecue and grilling cookbook on Amazon right now. It's the number one cookbook for meat on Amazon. And strangely enough, and he'll explain why, it's number three in transportation and engineering. So thanks, Meathead, for coming on. <laughs> I didn't know about the transportation engineering. That's good. I think it's number five or six in all cookbooks on Amazon. Uh, but uh, I, probably it's uh, there's a lot of science in the book. The title is Meathead, as you said, but there's a subtitle, The Science of Barbecue and Grilling. And the idea is, you know, the old give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. Um, we're trying to teach people the concepts, the theory, the science behind outdoor cooking so that they can outsmart their grill and uh, not serve any more overcooked meat or get anybody sick by undercooking it. Well, it's the best-selling cookbook. It's the top-selling cookbook, and people are flocking to it. The book basically sells itself. Is that because of so many more people are – are doing this backyard barbecuing, smoking, and grilling? Is, is there a, a renaissance happening? I think so. I think that, you know, it started with um, the uh, 2001, after the uh, uh, terrorist activity, we started traveling less. We started having staycations. We started uh, spending summers in our backyard. And uh, people started getting into uh, outdoor kitchens, outdoor movie th- movies um so uh the whole idea of turning the backyard into an extension of the living space i think has been growing steadily and yeah more and more people and also more and more women are grilling um it's always been sort of a guy thing i'm not sure why but um i know looking at the statistics from the website that there's more and more women now um hovering over the grill well, I think that we as women, and not all women, I'm just I'm speaking for myself and my group of women friends, we had kind of taken over the house, the inside of the house, and banished the men to the outside and the garage. And strangely enough, while well, they were in those two spaces, they took lemons and made lemonade. And I, I, I think that that's kind of what they started doing was barbecuing and smoking. They're like, hey, if we have to sit out here, we might as well have a beer and smoke some meat while we're here. And they actually did something amazing that really revolutionized uh, backyard barbecuing. And, and, and I want you to tell people the difference between barbecuing and grilling because there is a difference, right? 
I, actually, I don't think that it's easy to make a difference. Um, a lot of people, especially um, people who are in a barbecue competing and stuff, have tried to draw a line between them. But it's really, when you get serious about it and understand it, they say, well, barbecue is low and slow, grilling is hot and fast. So what temperature is low and slow? Would that be 225? Well, if I go to 226, am I now grilling? Um, at what temperature do we draw the line? Uh, it's very hard to draw that line. And often we'll start things at a low temperature and finish them at a high temperature. So I think it's all a blur. If it's cooked outdoors, if it's cooked with smoke, if it's cooked with flame, it's barbecue. Um, and I think that grilling and barbecue are all – I think where they get confused is that southern barbecue, the – branch of many styles of barbecue where you tend to cook large cuts of meat, tough cuts of meat, low and slow with smoke, is a distinctive style of culinary art. But barbecue is a big word. I mean, there's Korean barbecue, there's South African barbecue, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a false definition. And forgive me, I think there's a bit of snobbery involved, too. I've heard people say... Um, come on over to my house Sunday. We're having a barbecue. Oh, really? What are you cooking? Hot dogs and hamburgers. Oh, well, that's not barbecue. That's grilling. And I want to reach out and strangle them. Um, it, it, you know that? that I, the, the, no, that's the, no. It's all. It's all. It's all fun. Well, that's one thing that you really did well in this cookbook. Is you also there, there's there's a myth busting component, just like what you were just saying. And you've gone through and you've answered so many of these backyard myths, these internet rumors, these these uh, cooking techniques that have some type of maybe snobbery to them. And you really busted out those myths as as you're teaching us the science between barbecue and grilling and meat and and everything else, you're also myth-busting along as, as we go along, which is a very interesting uh, component to, to the cookbook. Yeah, I, I call them old husband's tales. I mean, I learned from my dad. I stood out back over the Weber kettle, and, uh, you know, I was 10 years old, and he maybe let me have a sip of his beer, and I fell in love with grilling, and he taught me how to grill. And his dad taught him, and his dad taught him. And so it's been passed down probably since caveman times. And so this is 2016. Um, I started asking, well, we've been doing it this way forever. Is this the best way? And, you know, we have digital thermometers now and digital scales, and we're pretty clever about science. So I started calling physicists and chemists and meat scientists and food safety experts and asking questions. And I even hired a physicist, Dr. Greg Blonder, uh, out of Boston University, who's a food, food expert. Uh, and uh, we started doing experiments and found that a lot of things that we are being told to do in the books are not the best way to do them. Well, exactly, and I think everybody's watching so many different cooking shows because now there's so many competition shows. Um, my, my husband is addicted to them. In fact, there's no room on our DVR because it's all like pitmasters <laughs> and grilling. And this and that. Yeah, it's full of that. He loves it. In fact, I, you know, just as a testimonial, this uh, cookbook came for me because of the show. I literally had to pry it out of his almost cold, dead hands, because that's what was going to happen if he didn't give it up. 
he has almost slept with this thing. He has marks in it. He loves this book. It's it's really everything you want to know in one book. And I again can only speak from for 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 my family, but my husband's not a huge reader. Uh, he doesn't want really tons of cookbooks. So this was really a one-stop shop for him, and he has loved it. And it's marked up, and he has his little man hands all over it, and his little barbecue things <laughs> already all over it. And so I, I can already tell that this is going to be his number one book. And he's already asked me today, when is that show going to be so I can have that cookbook back? And I said, actually, you know, we're we're, we're talking today, so uh, uh-huh. we'll be back in in your hands shortly. <laughs> uh, well. You know, one of the things that's different about it, there's a lot of barbecue books out there, and, of course, if you're going to sell them, you've got to be different. Um, one of the things I've tried to do is I've taken my interest in science and the advice and expertise of the scientists, and the first half of the book is like a textbook. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. If you follow it and you work your way through, we start talking about what is heat and the three different kinds of heat. Uh, radiation, convection, and conduction, how they each work differently on the grill. Um, Then we go into smoke, and we talk about blue smoke and white smoke and uh, gray smoke and how to make them and what the different flavors of smoke are. And we talk about wood. We talk about charcoal, the difference between lump and briquettes. Um, So we try to give people the tools to understand what's going on under the hood of that grill so that they can improvise if they want to, so that they can work their way out of problems if they want to, and most important, so that they can serve their loved ones great food. Absolutely. And I've noticed that more gift registries are now having barbecues, grills, smokers on them. So uh, I I just uh, received a uh, wedding registry uh, probably a few weeks ago. They had a smoker on it. Um, so I'm seeing more couples, just, just as you were saying, more women are doing this too, um, and men. But I'm starting to see on gift registries. And I would say just don't give them the smokers. Like you said, teach a man to fish. Give them the book and the smoker. And actually, the giver of the gift will probably end up being the most benefited by it because they're going to get to go to all these fantastic barbecues <laughs> in somebody's backyard. <laughs> you got it. Give them the book. Because the book explains the different kinds of smokers and which ones work best and which ones are not that good. And you test a lot of them, don't you? Oh, yeah. Um, I test a lot, but I actually – here's a job description for your husband. Tell him when he gets tired of his t- current job, maybe he wants to apply for this one. Although I think the guy that has it's not about to give it up. I have a guy that works for me full-time testing grills and smokers. That's all he does for a living, and I pay him reasonably well for it. Um, he is our grill tester and, sm- um, uh, and a smoker tester, and we have a database on AmazingRibs.com that has his ratings and reviews as well as links to places to buy them um, so you can see how much they cost, what their strengths and weaknesses are, um, and there's uh, probably 500 of them or more in there. Oh, yeah, it can definitely make your head spin with with how many there are. And how important is that basic first smoker or that first grill? How how, how important is that to the process? You know, it's a tool. And like any other tool, kitchen tool or workshop tool, um, there are quality products and there are cheapo products. And 
if you get a quality product, first of all, it's going to last longer. But second of all, it's going to give you less grief and headaches. There are some really El Cheapo grills and smokers in the hardware stores. Grills, um, the number one thing you want to look for when you're shopping for a grill or smoker is temperature control and the ability to uh, manage heat. And if you're buying a charcoal grill, for example, you've got to have something that's fairly tight. You can't have a lot of leaks. And a lot of these cheap offset grills, or smokers rather, uh, that they sell in the hardware stores for 200 bucks, um, they, people buy them in spring and by fall they're out in the alley. Um, they're, you know, so do your research, read my book or come to the website and look at our database. And, um, you know, you spend $200 now and you junk it after a year or two because it's driving you nuts and you can't control it or it's rusted out. Or you spend four or $500 and you get something that's going to last and cook great food. Um, you know, your call, but um, I'd rather get something good. Absolutely, yes. And I think that that's why people are putting on their registries because maybe typically a young couple or somebody starting out wouldn't be able to really afford, you know, even maybe a level two or three or four grill. But if they put it on their gift registry, maybe several people can go in on it together and then maybe buy them something that's, you know, just a little higher quality that they wouldn't have been able to start with um, at, at the beginning. And, it, and I'm always, when, whenever I, I give a cookbook, I always give a gift card with it for food or something for them to make in the book. I agree with this with, with smokers and grills. Give them the Meathead uh, uh, Barbecue and Grilling book. It's the whole science. It really is one one go-to book for everything in, in one easy manual, and it is fantastic. And you have had such success with AmazingRibs.com, and when, when you started to do this cookbook, did, did you kind of draw from there and, and get an overall feeling of, of what most people were always asking you over and over? And, and yeah. Is that kind of the inspiration? Yeah, we have. I mean, I started writing, and, you know, when you write on the web, you write an article at a time. So the article started piling up. There's over a, a thousand pages on the website. And, you know, they just stood independently, and then there's comments on every page. So readers would ask questions, which was cool, because I could then look at the article and say, well, this I need to explain this a little better. So they helped me understand what they were un, uh, confused by. And then um, I was able to take all these ideas and rework them into a flow you know, learning is so much better from a book than from the Internet. Um, when you start on the Internet, um, you know, let's say you learn, want to learn how to cook ribs. You go to, uh, you Google ribs, and chances are my website's going to come up right near the top, if not number one. And you go to the recipe for ribs, and it's going to link you to an article on how to take the membrane off. So now you've jumped from the recipe to another article. That, then you come back, and it's going to link you to an article on a recipe for the rub. And so you're jumping all around and you're getting lost, and you're not gathering all the information in an organized fashion. But a book with the beginning and a middle and an end, you can flow and you can learn and you can accumulate knowledge like a snowball. Well, and unless that they're going to reputable sites, too, like AmazingRibs.com, you can start clicking away, and before you know it, you could be on a website that, maybe a little fishy or there could be some 
you know, bugs or there could be some viruses or something. And and, and I'm always telling my husband, because he'll, he'll show me his computer a lot of times, and I'm like, don't click on it, don't click on it. And, uh, <laughs> and the same thing with, with my dad. Whenever I go over to my dad's house, he's like, this happened. I'm like, what did you click on? So it, it is important to stay with reputable sites like AmazingRibs.com. And then that's the great thing about the cook. Pictures are amazing, and the way that you detailed everything out, it's right there. You don't have to click on anything. You don't have to go from page to page to page like you were saying. It's all just laid out in this very nice flow. At the end of it, you have recipes from everything from, which I, I jotted these down because I'm going to give these to husband to make, but um, you had smoked potato salad. I didn't even know you could smoke potatoes. And uh, from, so from everything from brisket, fish, turkey, and duck to lobster, shrimp, mussels, oysters, things that we love here in the Pacific Northwest, all of those things can be smoked. And then all the way back to things that you don't even think of, like, like potato salad. Well, one of my favorite recipes in there, which may make me lose my meat card, is the eggplant parmesan, which is meat-free. Um, it's really good. Um, you make the marinara sauce by grilling tomatoes, onions, celery, carrots, garlic. You grind them all up in the blender. You've got this amazing, rich, grilled um, tomato sauce that you can use on the eggplant parmesan or on spaghetti. I tell people, come on over, we're having grilled spaghetti, and they, they look at me like I'm nuts. Well, I'm not grilling the pasta, but I'm making the tomato sauce on the grill, and it's good. Uh, um, there's, a, there's a sweet and sour pork recipe that is dead easy to make, and kids just love it. Um, uh, there's a lot of fun in there, but we also hit the classic American barbecue cannon. Technique for steaks, how to make real great steakhouse steaks. Burgers, um, I've even got a hot dog section in there. Um, uh, ribs, uh, Thanksgiving turkey on the grill, take it up a notch. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. There really, really is. And just going back to the eggplant, we a lot of times don't think of vegans and vegetarians as being grillers or, or smokers. And they can absolutely participate with their carnivore friends uh, and, and smoke vegetables and, and different things that they're covered in there. And then you, do, you, you blow the cannon out on everything meat and short ribs and steaks, like you said, pastrami, brisket. Of course, everybody's really into brisket right now. Um, it's, it's a big cut of meat. It feeds a lot of people. Um, slow and slow, uh, I think a lot of people start with, with brisket. And you, but you go to brats and lamb and, and chicken and yard bird, you know, a lot of people refer to chicken as yard bird, and then back to salmon and, 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 and different fish like that. So you really covered everything that anybody could want. And that's like what I'm saying is, is it's really a, a one-stop shop for anybody, anybody who wants well, to barbecue or, or, or grill. It's it's 400 pages, so it's you know it weighs a lot. It's a big book, and uh, it's got over 400 photographs in it, which I'm pleased you like because I did the photography. Um, and uh, uh, you know, like like we said, it's a good good way to learn. It's a lot of fun, and uh, the myth busting is the part that will wake a lot of people up. An another classic myth that we all learned. Every cookbook has it is to soak wood chips 
for an hour or two. Well, you know, there's a reason they build boats out of wood, because it doesn't absorb water. You And, you know, we tried this. You take wood chips or wood chunks, you soak them. We soaked them overnight. We weighed them before, took them out of the water after soaking them overnight, not just an hour or two, pat them dry to get the surface water off, and their increase in weight is like 2 or 3%. It's all on the surface. You cut them in half. There's no moisture inside. Bone dry, all in the rough surface. Um, you throw it on the fire. The first thing that happens is it boils off. All that white stuff you see is not smoke. It's steam. Um, and all you've done is cool your fire down. And cooking is all about temperature control. You've got to have control of your temperature so this is a bad idea, soaking wood chips. Well, and, and you talk about all of these myth-bustings in this book, and there's no way we could even cover them all on here. That's why we want to get everybody to this book. But you talk about um, the smoke ring, which is it, it's very uh, interesting when, when you talk about the smoke ring. It, it, it's, uh, it was very interesting when, when you talked about um, – about meat and, and, and the pinkness of, of the meat versus and the, and the juices that run out of pink meat versus um, maybe a, a, a rare steak and it being bloody and how people confuse and, and they are different pink juice yeah, versus um, A lot of people call the out. juice in a steak, a lot of people say that juice in the steak that comes out on your plate is blood, but it's not. The blood is removed during the slaughter process. Beef blood... Um, chicken blood is just like human blood. It's very, very dark red. It's almost black. And when it hits oxygen, it coagulates and gets thick. Um, uh, that juice in the bottom of the plate when you cut into a steak is pale, it's pink, it's thin, and it's runny. It's water. It's water with a pink tint created by a protein called myoglobin. It's technically called myowater. But it's all water, I mean, it, 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 with just a little bit of a pink tint. It's not blood. And every time we call it blood, somewhere in Indiana, a, a teenager becomes a vegan. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so we need to stop calling it blood. Um, but that's also what happens with the smoke ring, is myoglobin is pink, and the, the gases in the smoke, nitric oxide primarily, from the smoke fixes the color of the myoglobin, so you get a pink ring on the outside. And a lot of people go into barbecue restaurants and they see pink ring on it, and they say, oh, it's not cooked. Well, if it wasn't cooked, the pink would be on the inside. This is on the outside. It's myoglobin whose color has been fixed pink by gases in the smoke. And it's called smoke ring, but it's really caused by gases, not by particles in the smoke. Interesting. Interesting. And I think that we all learned the smoke ring when we started watching these barbecue competitions and they were judging based on smoke rings. And, and so we were looking for something, but really not knowing exactly what we were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the smoke ring is cool. It's a symbol of uh, meat that's been smoked properly, but it really has no flavor either. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the biggest mistakes that, that people make are, are are we all making the same mistakes over and over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are two. There, there are two big mistakes. Number one. Welcome to 2016, the digital age. The thirty dollars you can buy a really high quality, 
truly instant read digital meat thermometer that will give you an accurate temperature of the meat within four or five seconds, and you will never overcook or undercook meat again. It is the single most important tool any cook can have, indoors or out. Medium rare steak is 130 to 135, never 120, never 140. Safe chicken is 160 to 165, never 150, never 180. You don't need to guess. You don't need to cut into it. You don't need to gamble with people's health. You don't need to waste money on and, and get embarrassed when you bring in the steaks and they're all overcooked and make excuses. Get a digital thermometer and know for a fact what temperature the food is at when you serve it, and you'll serve it tender, juicy, and safe. Number one thing, all us knuckle-dragon caveman guys who I don't need a thermometer, I can tell by poking it. You can't tell by poking it. Um, you need a thermometer. Um, no way you can tell by cutting into it. The color changes um, as, it, as it hits oxygen. Digital thermometer. That's number one. Number two is we tend to go out to the grill, and if we've got a gas grill, we turn on all the burners on high. Or if we've got a charcoal grill, we fill it up with charcoal, and we get it really hot. <clears throat> you want to have a hot side and a not hot side. You want to push all the charcoal off to one side. You want to turn one or two of the burners off so you have an indirect zone. Now you have a hot side that is getting radiant heat, direct heat, searing hot heat, and then you have another side where it's getting convection airflow, where it's gentle heat, where it's warm, not searing hot, um, and it's indirect heat. And you can now control temperature, and you can move the food from one side to the other, and you can gently cook it when you need to gently cook it, and you can sear it when you need to sear it. Vital technique. Mm-hmm. Do, do you run any man camps or barbecue camps, like weekend university type of things? Because you really need to. <laughs> I think you'd be flooded. <clears throat> No, I haven't yet. I'm, I, I'm a reasonably good teacher, but I just haven't had time. Um, between running the website and writing a book uh, and uh, and cooking, uh, I mean, I, I test everything. I mean, I've got numerous grills, and I test a recipe on a gas grill, on a charcoal grill. Uh, I, I use an electric smoker. I use a gas smoker. I use a pellet smoker. I use a charcoal smoker. I use a log-burning smoker. I've got a pizza oven. Um, I try everything, um, so I'm I'm pretty busy. I really haven't had a chance to do much teaching, but I'm there every day on the website. People come in and ask questions. Every question gets answered, either by me or by my team of moderators, who are all very very good. You must have a huge line of people wanting to be your friends. <laughs> when I start cooking, the neighbors all hang around and bring me beer. It's very good. I- I bet, and I I want to talk about because we were talking about women a, a little earlier uh, in the show. But you dedicated this book to your wife, and it was a very loving tribute. You talk about how important she she is in this process with you. Well, I, I, she has her own identity, and I don't let it get too involved in what uh, I do. But she is a very high-ranking food safety expert at the Food and Drug Administration. So you eat my food, you know it's safe. Um, she's a <laughs> microbiologist, Ph.D., 
Um, she has a different last name, so that uh, um, when people Google me, they don't find her. Uh, of course, uh, she's had that same name since she was born. But uh, um, and uh, we have a lot of fun. She's a great cook. Uh, she's a better cook than me in many ways. Um, uh, and uh, uh, she answers a lot of my science questions. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool to have somebody who who you can cook with and trade ideas with. Well, and, and and you talk about how honest she is with you, and 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 is that really a a good part of of the cooking process, right? I mean, you really have to have honest feedback if if you want to keep progressing and become great, like like you are. Well, um, yeah, I don't know how great I am, but I'm I'm pretty good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you need you need that feedback. Uh, she'll tell me. Uh, Without hesitation, when she lied, we would just cook something last night, and she made a pretty ugly face when she tasted it. Um, <laughs> uh, it but that, that's crucial. People always say, well, I don't think, I, I don't like your technique, Meathead. Um, here's how I do it, and people always love it. Well, of course they love it. They're not going to tell you, you it, it, it's terrible, and it's probably good. It's like beer can chicken is one of my favorites. Beer can chicken is roast chicken. Everybody, every every roast chicken is delicious. There's no such thing as, unless you badly overcook it or ruin it. No such thing as bad roast chicken. But there are so many better ways to cook a chicken than beer can chicken. Beer can chicken does not work the way people think it works. It does not infuse the chicken with moisture and beer and flavor. It's impossible. I explain in detail in the book the physics, the chemistry, um, and uh, uh, but people say. But they all love my beer can chicken. You're wrong, meathead. No, they love your beer can chicken because it's roast chicken. But there's better ways to cook chicken. Oh well. <laughs> well, and I I think that's why competitions are, are are good because you do get that feedback from judges who who aren't holding back on on your feelings, and I think it does make you a better cooker. And you have been a judge many times, and and you talk about in the book how anything outdoor or indoors can be cooked outdoors only better. And it takes the four P's, practice, patience, persistence, and the cooking principles, which you cover all the way in, in this book. Um, and you've been, you've judged food and wine and beer and spirits, and you went to Le Cordon Bleu. I mean, you know what, what you're doing, and you still are having some trial and error. And so it's, it's always practice, like, like, like what you're saying, one of the P's, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, yeah, and, of course, it's fun to practice. Look, you know, it, what, the most intimate thing that you can do with another person is not sex. The most intimate person, thing you can do with another person is feed them. You're putting something deep inside them. You're nourishing them. You're giving them well-being. Um, pleasure, which in many ways can be as good as sex. Um, uh I love having people over. I love feeding them. I love seeing them eat. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the food and what we put on the plate, but what's more important than what we put on the plate is who we put in the chairs. Exactly. I, I completely agree with it. And, and when you invite people into your home, that is an intimate experience. Uh, we're not just all inviting you know, whoever we meet on the street into our home. I mean, once we invite people into our home, we're really saying that we're, we're endorsing that person as as 
as somebody into our our lives around our 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 family and our pets and our children and and uh, it, it is a very very intimate experience lightly because um, they they are hard to make and we bond around food and we bond around good times. I've seen so many stories and learned so much about people around the grill or around the smoker of uh, just sitting back on a on a lazy afternoon and and there, there's something about smoke and grilling that's relaxing and just kind of invokes people into, and the beer might help too, uh, just really letting their guard down and letting all the pressures of the week subside and just, just having a, a one-on-one really great time. Yeah, yeah. And you said something that I hadn't thought of before that I thought thinks really profound. When you invite people into your home, you're, you're really inviting them into your in your relationship, in your circle, and and there's a vulnerability. I mean, you have precious things in your home, you have private things in your home. Um, yeah, it's 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 cooking for others is is. Oh, I you know I occasionally run into people who say I don't like to cook, and I just don't understand. I can understand who disagree, people who disagree with me on politics. I can di- understand people who disagree with me on religion. I can't understand people who don't like to cook. I just can't figure it out. <laughs> well, it's probably because they haven't had a, a good experience. And I will say the best thing that people could do to start having a good experience is to buy this book. Right now it's available at Amazon.com. It's available wherever books are sold. It's out now. It's number one. I mean, it's a top seller, bestseller. It has everything in it that you would want. It's called Meathead, The Science of Grilling, Great Barbecue, or The, the Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling. And it's by Meathead Goldwyn. Has your beautiful picture right on front. And you did, if you did the photography, like you said, you did. You did a fantastic job. I'm so proud of you. You have well, a, I didn't, a man of many I didn't many, take many the selfie talents. on the front. Yeah, the, the picture <laughs> of myself was done by a pro. But uh, yeah, I did. I'm very proud of the photography. And is is, is that important too? If 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 someone wants to start their own little journey blog, I mean, it's there's more than just blogging and writing, right? People want to see the pictures. Oh, I think so. I think uh, they, they, people are hesitant to cook a recipe that they can't see the finished product. Exactly. I am. I actually skip by those because I'm like, I don't know what it's going to look like. And um, and it's, and those are usually, a lot, a lot of times they're super involved too, and then it gets scary. But um, when I see the picture, for some reason, we're very visual people. We are like, ooh, that looks good. We, we want to eat that. It kind of leaps off the page. And everything in this book has done that. So I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're super busy. you got the selling book, number one book right now on uh, in Amazon in barbecue and uh, grilling. And, and hey, and you're burning it up in engineering as well. So congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> uh, don't ask me how Amazon. You're closer. You go down the street and ask Amazon how they work. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. Well, whenever people come to Seattle, that's actually where they want to go. Is It's uh, like they don't get enough Amazon. They want to actually go to the Amazon store. And then they leave with more books. And so we, we, we love people to buy books uh, and come down to the Amazon store. So it, it is a great place, and it is in the Amazon store downtown. And, and if you're not in Seattle, you're not coming to Seattle, you can order it and have it in two days. It makes a great Father's Day gift, and you can have it in time for Memorial Day if you click and order it today. Right. 
Well, thanks for coming on. I super appreciate it. It was really great to talk to you. And I could talk to you for hours about this subject, but uh, uh, that will be for another time. Oh, well, thanks. It was really a pleasure to talk to you, too. Lori, um, anytime you want to talk, uh, just reach out. I will. Thank you. And I will probably have my husband stalking uh, you as well. So, stalking, okay. you know, it, 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 it's a fly, fine line. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Happy grilling. All right, that was Meathead Goldwyn, and I really encourage you to pick up his book as soon as you can. It's called Meathead. It is a science of great barbecue and grilling. It's really the only book that you will ever need, and it's available now. It's number one, and you need to get it. Give it as a gift, great Father's Day gift, great birthday gift, great graduation present, and just an all-around great book to have in your home. So thanks for joining us today. Get out there, start barbecuing, start grilling, and have a great day.